Hey, I'm Nicole, your host of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. On this show, we're going to be talking tangible action that you can take in order to achieve the life you thought was only achievable after retirement. Everything you want now in life, you can have it. Will it take hard work, patience, and uncomfortable growth? You bet it will, but it will be so worth it. On this show, we will be deep diving into the topics of lifestyle design, travel, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. I myself am a global citizen and world traveler who left my home country and conventional lifestyle behind for a life of adventure and following my passions. And that's exactly what I want for you. It's your time to love your work, build your wealth, and create the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, also known as Nomad Neeks, and in today's episode, I am super excited to chat with our guest expert, Jessica, on all things photography, travel, and building a business. Jessica is an internationally published luxury wedding photographer who captures effervescent moments for well-traveled couples inspired by culture, artistry, and celebration. She finds inspiration from her love of the arts that began at a young age, drawing on the works of Monet. Her love of travel sets the stage for her approach to her clients' wedding weekends in vibrant destinations. Jessica began her career in the corporate world after graduating with a degree in graphic design, a nod to her love of the arts. With a longing for a deeper meaning and a desire to revisit her artistic upbringing, Jessica left the world of the nine to five to capture what truly set her soul on fire. With her eye on art curation, she is an observer of her clients' love stories, moving between masterful poses to in-between moments that naturally unfold during their wedding day. When not photographing her beloved couples, Jessica loves running marathons, globetrotting to picturesque places, and enjoying an evening at home with a glass of bubbly. Jessica, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. Jessica, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so looking forward to having you on the show today. So before we dive into building a business, traveling, and building that as part of your business, why don't you start with telling us your story and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, thanks so much for having me, Nicole. It's an honor to be here. Um, and I'm excited to share my story. So I am currently a destination wedding photographer based in Boston, but I grew up in upstate New York. That's where I spent my childhood. I even went to college in upstate New York, where my background's in graphic design. So I spent about six years in the corporate world doing a lot of marketing and design, which wasn't very creative or fulfilling. And so I used my background to find some like creative outlets. So it was like creating stationery and invitations, um, note cards for friends, but eventually it transformed into photography. So I come from a long line of business owners. I always knew that I wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know in what capacity. And then once uh, the opportunity presented itself to photograph a friend's wedding, I immediately said yes. I kind of did all my research and prepared 
to, you know, great job at that wedding. And then afterwards, I knew that I wanted to dive in head first and take it full time. So I went full time with my business back in 2017. But some of my other creative outlets when I was working corporate was I was traveling and running. So, you know, if I wasn't working, I wanted to do something fun. So I was trying to run in every state in the US. And then also while I was running and experiencing all those different cities, I was like taking photos along the way. And then obviously once I joined the wedding world, I didn't have that much time to run races on weekends. And so instead now I'm kind of traveling all over the world, capturing destination weddings and vibrant locations for my clients. Wow. That's so cool. What a life. I love that you have built something for yourself that you truly love. And it's a lifestyle that you wanted for yourself anyway. And so you merge that into your business. So you mentioned that you left your job, you no longer work, whether it's a corporate job or working for somebody else, you do this full time. So walk us through what that process and your mentality was like when you decided, you know, I'm going to go all in on this and it's going to work or it's not going to work. It's going to be mine. And this is where I really want to focus all of my attention. Was that scary for you? Was it exciting? What did that look like? Uh, It was definitely a little bit of both. Exciting, but scary. A lot of friends who had done it before me were kind of just like, take the leap, it will work out. Which similar to like running a marathon, they're like, trust the process, you know, like do all the things that you need to do beforehand, but like trust that it will work out. So prior to like taking that leap from like when the opportunity presented itself to photograph a friend's wedding, I had, I just wanted to learn as much as possible, soak in as much from other photographers and other business owners, whether it's things that like worked for them or like what didn't. So like I could prevent myself from doing all the things that other people failed at early on in business. So whether it was like assisting and second shooting, going to workshops, whether it was like technical skills when it came to photography or also just like business related stuff like knowing your numbers and how to price yourself. So really just like absorbing all the things and joining a lot of like local creative organizations too for support. And then I just like once I had my mind set on it, I was just like, okay, like May 1st, 2017, it was a Monday. I think the daughter to accountants, I like numbers too. And it was like a clean, even break. I was like, all right, that's going to be my first day. And I've made the leap. It worked out. And what else? I was like, I wanted to share something. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, so it definitely was scary, but like knowing the numbers and whatnot. And then I think just also like doing all the marketing beforehand and putting, you know, getting your name out there. A lot of it was just like doing your homework, knowing what you needed to make in order to make it sustainable, but also realizing like, if I had to work at Drake Crew, I was willing to do whatever I needed to like make money to work for myself versus having to go back to corporate. And I always knew it would be there in the background if it didn't work out, but I was like, I'll do anything to make this work. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that mentality that you had. I had a very similar mentality of, I don't want what my old lifestyle looks like. And I want to build something different and new for myself. And so I will do whatever it takes to make it work. And I think it's really important to have that mindset for a lot of people, maybe not for everybody, but I think for a lot of people you want to kind of have that all or nothing mindset. Like I am going to make this work for 
me, especially if you are wanting to start, you know, something as big as your own business, but really at any point in life, I truly believe if you want something enough and you work hard enough for it, like it will happen. But like you said, it is a lot of work. It's not just kind of what you see sometimes on Instagram where it's like, oh, I started a business two months ago and now it's going great and I'm making all this money. Like you've been in the game for what is it, six years now. So I think there's a side of it that a lot of people don't see. And then it's interesting because a lot of people do actually end up going back to their jobs or to a different job in corporate. And that's a side of things that we don't see very often on. Right. And I think the key too is finding something that you're really passionate about. Like I read a lot of business books and the one recently was like the things they don't teach you at Harvard Business School. And they said like, if your driving factor to own a business is to make money or just have flexibility, like that's not going to get you through the hard days or all the things that come with being an entrepreneur. You really need to find something that you love and you're passionate about it. So even when you have the worst day ever, I will sit down and be like, would you rather deal with this or would you rather go to corporate? And I'm like, you know what? I can do this. It's only temporary. I'll get through it. I'll get to the other side. It's just the part of being a business owner. But when you love what you do, it's just, I don't know, it it doesn't bother you as much or you know that it's temporary and it's a learning opportunity. Um, And I still rather do the hard things for myself than like working for someone else. Yeah, I I love that you mentioned that. And I've had quite a few other guests on the show who said the exact same thing. And I believe the exact same thing as well, that you really have to love what you do. Because if you don't, we all have those hard days. We have easy days too, as business owners, but sometimes there are freaking difficult days. And you do think, I think every business owner, entrepreneur has thought, oh my gosh, it would be so much easier to just go back to corporate because it would. It would be so much easier in terms of the workload. But is that really the life that you want to design for yourself? Well, probably not. And that's probably a reason why you left in the beginning. So I like that you bring that up because I do think that that is such um, a prevalent mindset for entrepreneurs. For sure. Yeah. And I always say like one of the reasons why I built a business is so that I can design a life I love. Like, yes, I love my business, but I think sometimes as entrepreneurs too, all we do is work and you need to understand that happy balance is, especially as a wedding photographer, I feel like often I'm living vicariously through my clients, beautiful weddings and events. And then sometimes taking a step back is like, okay, but you need to you know live your own life and do things for yourself. And so that's where like a lot of the travel comes through is that's where I find like inspiration and can relax. That's also, you know, and it helps me in business be more creative and rejuvenated and things like that. So it is a fine balance between the two. Yeah. So in you speaking about that, I would love to chat about setting boundaries to create a good work-life balance and what that looks like for you. I know myself, it can be, and I think all entrepreneurs, it can be very, very difficult, especially oftentimes when you're working from a laptop and you can do it anywhere, you can do it in bed, it doesn't matter. It can be really difficult to set those boundaries. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it ultimately comes down to communication and like from the very beginning. So when I onboard a client, I like to, I guess, educate them and how I like to communicate what my office hours are, the best way of communicating with me. So even if I'm writing emails at 11 o'clock at night, I won't send them at 11 o'clock at night because I told them I'll only answer during my business hours. And I don't want them to expect that if they shoot off a late night email, 
that they'll expect a response right away. Because I think, you know, especially in the wedding industry, you're working nights, you're working weekends. And so it's trying to find that balance that you're not working all the time. So office hours is a really good one. I also use a lot of different tools like Calendly so that they can schedule calls. And so people aren't necessarily like bombarding me with like just calling or texting, really kind of like controlling how people are communicating and like when they are so that you can kind of create those boundaries like, okay, this is work time or this is my time off. And also too, just like they know what your response time will be rather than, you know, expecting a response at 10 o'clock at night just because they emailed you. So I think it's communication and then just like using those tools to help streamline whatever best way you want people to like communicate and reach out to you. Hmm. I love those. Thank you for sharing all of those. And you saying that I'm super curious, office hours, how does office hours work for a wedding photographer? What does that look like? Oh yeah. So I always say like office hours for me are like say 10 to four, like Monday through Thursday, because often with weddings, like you're doing engagement sessions, portrait sessions in the evenings and on weekends, I'm often traveling too. So obviously clients, if they're working a corporate job, when are they free? They're free at night and they're free on weekends. And that's when they're like catching up and doing all the things. So they sometimes don't necessarily like answer me, you know, during the day when I'm quote unquote, like working during my office hours, but that's when they can at least know that like, that's when I'm in the office, I'm working working on, you know, their wedding stuff, preparing for their wedding. Um, but also they can expect like communication from me at that time and responses from me at that time. And I do try to take phone calls during my office hours as well. I think now that people work remote, lunchtime works well versus before everyone wanted to take a call at like seven o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening. And um, that's great and all, but it's, you know, you got to create those boundaries so that you're not working all day and all night. So yeah. 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 I, I like that. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sh- I'm sure like I can only imagine how complicated that could get with setting boundaries specifically for you because you do travel to your clients and then you have office hours and then you're on venue and I'm sure things can get pretty hectic. So I'm sure from, from probably around the beginning, you had to figure out a system that worked for you for your boundaries. Otherwise that could just get so overwhelming, I would imagine. Right. And I live and breathe by my Google calendar. So everything is in, even if it's like a simple reminder of something to do, everything needs to be in there. So, and it syncs. So it's, you know, people, when they want to book a call or schedule a meeting with me, they know what my availability is. And it's also like a good practice at the beginning of the year is like schedule those vacations or those time offs, because if you don't, your calendar will fit, quickly fill with client work and things like that. So that's another good way of like creating balance is kind of like pre-scheduling time off. And even if it moves, that's fine, but at least it's in there so that, you know, you're cognizant of that you need a break and you need to take a trip or something as well. Yeah, totally. Totally feel that. Okay. So let's chat travel and incorporating travel into a business. Now, travel is something that I think most people love and want to do, especially post-COVID a little bit more so. So what does incorporating travel into a business or a brand look like? Of course, I think for your business, maybe there was already an aspect when you started out thinking maybe I could incorporate travel into this at some point. But in any business, how does incorporating travel, what could that look like in different businesses if somebody is like, you know what, I want to travel and I want to monetize this somehow or make this a part of my business? 
Yeah, for sure. So I have always obviously loved travel and I feel like that is what attract has attracted my clients to me because that's like a commonality amongst us. Um, and they're often planning, you know, weddings in like the locations that they live, or maybe it's a location that they've traveled to with their significant other and they want like their friends and family to experience. And so like being in Boston, a lot of events and stuff happen all over New England. So for me, it's kind of just been easy because while it is a large area, you know, all of New England, it's not that far as far as like driving. So I think people just generally seem like, oh, she'll go to Newport, Rhode Island, or she'll go to the Cayman Islands and things like that. But I've always wanted to like brand myself as a destination photographer. Ironically, I did it right before COVID. So took a little bit of time to like build that content and build that brand out. But I think it was just like clients and prospective clients seeing that like I had a love of travel and that I did work in all different areas. So before you can necessarily book in different regions, I think you need to show prospective clients that like, you know, those areas or that you work in those areas. So I had often, Paris is one of my favorite cities. I've been probably five times in the last five years. And so a lot of it was like networking, meeting people within the industry, kind of picking their brain and figuring out how to collaborate with them. So you're building relationships with people that could maybe refer work to you, or maybe it's a vendor that complements what you do so that if you do get that inquiry of someone who wants to have an elopement in Paris, you already know who you can refer to for flowers or hair and makeup, things like that. And then slowly as you start to build that content and you're building yourself as like a destination brand, people will seek you out, they'll hire you. And then they also know they can trust that you know how to like travel, especially with expensive gear and that they can, you can handle their wedding. And so my first destination wedding was in 2019 where I went to Spain and this year I won in Italy. And a lot of it was just like that trust of like, okay, she's been to Europe. She's been there a million times. She knows how to photograph a wedding there and can handle all the logistics that come with traveling and photographing in a destination location. So that's kind of how I built up my content and building uh, my work in different areas that I don't actually live in. Wow. That's so interesting. You know, I would never think, and I'm sure there's so many elements that go into traveling and being a photographer. I myself have never done photography. So I, I'm sure there's so many elements that go into it that you don't even think of about like, oh, she knows how to photograph in Europe. So what does that look like? What are some of the differences um, in places that you have photographed and within your business that you really have to showcase to people? Yes, I know how to photograph here, or I know how to do this. And is that one of the complexities that really does come with advertising and marketing yourself as a travel, specifically a travel wedding photographer? Yeah. Well, I think there's two different components. One, when you're speaking to prospective clients, you want to show them with your process what it's like to photograph a destination wedding. I do think a common stereotype that some clients will have is like, well, I can only hire someone who's been to this venue or been to this location. And while I agree to an extent why you may want someone to do that, at the same time, I think the beauty of me being a destination photographer 
photographer is that when I show up to a location, I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and I'm finding inspiration, you know, whether it's a portrait session or whether it's your wedding day versus someone who may have been there a hundred times. They're just doing the same things or capturing it the same way. And I feel like when it comes to your wedding day, you want images that are unique and special to you. You don't want something where you've seen it a million times and you're just replacing the person in the photo with you. And so with that process, you know, obviously a professional, like I'm going to scout, I'm going to understand the locations and the traveling logistics of, you know, where we're going and when, and the time of the day and the light, I'm going to do all that stuff. And I'm also going to show up quite a few days before the wedding day so that I can prepare. Like that's part of the job. I'm not just going to show up the day before and be like, all right, here I am. Let's start photographing. But also to the difference with say like international weddings versus something domestic that I may be driving to two hours away. Obviously a lot of us travel and you have to deal with, you know, can I check my bag? Can I bring my bag on? Oh, it weighs too much. It doesn't fit overhead. And the one thing with your camera gear is you never want to check it no matter what you like, you just don't ever want to check it. And so even though I have like international size camera bags, that to me sometimes is too risky, depending on the flight, it may not fit. Or if there's no room, they'll force you to check it. So you always want to carry something like in a book bag that no matter what, you can put it under the seats. And the other things like batteries or tripods, things that like are important, but not the end of the world. If it is in a check bag, those you can put in a check bag and put somewhere else. But um, just the importance, the same thing I photograph with film. So just being really particular about how you're taking care of that film, making sure it's not going through the scanners, things like that. There's little logistics that if you don't necessarily travel all that often, especially with camera gear, you may be overwhelmed or like, oh no, I, you know, I wasn't prepared for this situation. And now what do I do? It's too late to like repack my bags. And now I'm being forced to check all my expensive camera gear under the plane. So yeah, those are two things that I feel like come into play when photographing a destination wedding. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine how stressful that would be. I am very used to traveling as well. And even when I have like an important document or something like very small, that's in my checked bag, I get so stressed out. So I can only imagine having all of this gear and even just, even if it is not checked and it's with you, keeping track of everything and having to be so organized, you must have to have a system down pat to first of all, travel with that and then not have the anxiety of where are my things? Is it going to make it to me on time, all of the other factors that come into play with traveling. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to juggle and keep track of. But I think like you said, the best thing to do is like have a system and kind of whether it's like a document to organize all the things that you need to bring with you, or just, you know, always keeping it in your site or, you know, having whether it's an assistant with you also helping lug all the gear and spread it amongst your carry on, you know, book bags and things like that. The more you do it, the less stressful it becomes, but there's a lot. And you learn too along the way, every time you travel, especially in Paris, they don't care how many times you ask, they're still going to send that film through a scanner. So, you know, making sure that, which it can go a few times depending on the speed of the film stock, but just, you know, at least so that like when you're in the US, when, you know, you're going through the security, you're asking them like, please hand check it. Cause I, and they're like, it'll be fine. I'm like, yes, I know. But in Europe, they're going to scan it. And I want to minimize how many times it's going through that scanner, things like that. 
Wow. Super stressful. Oh my gosh. So many moving components to this business that I think behind the scenes that I think at face value, a lot of people would not guess, especially adding the travel element into your business. So I am curious, how did you book your first destination client? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So my first destination wedding was in Spain back in 2019. It was a wedding for one of my former coworkers, which I was actually friends with. So I was planning on being there no matter what in attendance. So then when she asked me to photograph her wedding, it was obviously an immediate yes. Also, I knew that was like an opportunity that I needed to take advantage of in the sense that I needed to do a good job and do all the things to prepare because that was my you know, roadmap to like building my destination photography portfolio and things like that. So yeah, obviously like showing up quite a few days early, scouting, understanding the area, going to the church, going to the venue. That one was a fun one because being in Spain and having a church wedding, the whole ceremony is actually in Spanish. So no one really knew what was going on. And so obviously like a normal ceremony or normal event, you can understand, you know, at what point are we, or are we almost towards the end? It's almost the first kiss. And when it's a totally different language, you have no idea. So that one was fun and interesting making sure because it was by myself. I didn't have an assistant at that wedding. So just, you know, making sure I'm capturing all the things I need to capture, but also being in the right location at the right time and not missing anything because couldn't really tell what they were saying, but it made for a fun experience. Oh my gosh. So how did having that first international client, how did that expand into more travel within your business and more clients who you need to be on the road for? Yeah. Um, So again, I think it's more of like a trust building. So I think with clients that are planning destination weddings and destination can really be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be international. Like being in Boston, a lot of my clients get married on the Cape and Islands, which even though it's part of Massachusetts, you still got to take a ferry to Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket. And that also comes with logistics and travel that can sometimes overwhelm people. Um, So I think just my clients seeing like, okay, she goes to Europe or she'll go to Nantucket. You know, we're having a local wedding, but we live in Baltimore now because, you you know, there's significant others in law school and they're like, Hey, would you be my, you know, would you be open to traveling to us for an engagement session? So I think it's kind of just like planting that seed that they see that you love travel, that you travel all over. And so therefore, you know, before they'd be like, Oh, we'll just do something easy. We'll just come to you. They're like, Oh, she likes to travel. I think it'd be more meaningful if we met in a location that either we live in or like a location that they love to travel in. So I actually went to Vermont and fall to do engagement photos. And they didn't live in Vermont. They lived in DC. I'm in Boston, but that was like a special place. And so they're like, oh, I think it'd be really fun to do photos there. And so a lot of it is just like trust and like building that brand. And the same thing, like my wedding this year in Italy, it's someone I've known for a while. We went to school together. And as they were planning, they kind of were like, who are we going to hire for photography? And they knew that I had traveled. And so that kind of made them a little bit more calm that they're like, okay, she's done this 
least before, like it was one less thing that they needed to stress about. Because also too, with destination, someone local isn't necessarily, they may speak English, but it may not be their first language. So it's a lot of times the communication barrier with like Americans getting married abroad, you know, figuring out what makes sense to hire a local vendor versus what makes sense to bring someone from home with you to that location. Hmm, I really like that. I really like that you, it sounds like from as soon as you were like, I want travel to be a component of my brand, you were very intentional with marketing it that way and ensuring that those who landed on, whether it's your socials or your website, wherever they see your presence, that they can see, okay, she will travel and I like her work. So these are this is an option. So I like that you were very intentional with that from the beginning. I'm very intentional in building a brand that aligned with you and your lifestyle. Definitely. Yeah. And like I said, I think that's what really attracts my clients is, you know, they love planning destination events because that they want to create an experience. Like rather than like, oh, we're planning a party. It's like they're creating an experience because they want to bring their family and friends to a location that they love, whether it's for the views or the food, the ambiance. Um, it, you know, holds a special place in their heart or, you know, with them and their significant other. And they want someone to come like experience that location with them and can like capture it for them along with all their family and friends that are in attendance. I love that. I love the way you speak about it. I can tell you're just so passionate and so in love with what you do. So I have one last question for you. Feel free to think about this question for a minute, but I would love to know what is the hardest part of building a business for you, especially a business where travel is such a big component of that business and there are so many moving pieces. What has been one of or the most difficult part of growing and scaling your business? Mm. That's a really good question. I think the most difficult part when you are a destination is I destination photographer, you're building a destination brand is I think you really need to niche down and be like a subject matter expert in a few areas. Like, yes, I will travel anywhere that you want to take me, but like Boston's my home. I love Martha's Vineyard. I've been to Paris a million times. So I think you need to have some like key locations that you go to often. So that you're at least being specific in who you're marketing to. So for example, like Martha's Vineyard, that's a destination for a lot of couples who get married. They're the same thing. Americans are getting married abroad. They're looking for a Paris wedding photographer. So I think while building it, you also have to be like strategic and pick a few locations versus like destination. Because if someone Googles destination photographer, how many people are going to come up? You know, like they're still going to Google or search, whether it's on social media for a specific area and region. So I think you need to kind of position yourself as an expert in a few different areas. But another thing, as you become more of a destination photographer, you're also on the road. So another thing I've struggled with, it's like, is finding that balance or like forcing myself to rejuvenate because you're traveling for a weekend, you come home, you unpack, you upload the images, and then you got to prep and you got to do it all over again for the next weekend. So last year is really when I realized it's like, okay, you've been doing great, but in order to get to where you want to go, you got to bring in help, whether it's a virtual assistant or maybe like, a you know, an, an assistant on a wedding day, in addition to the second photographer, do you think it comes to the point where you realize that you need to bring people on to help grow? Because there's a lot of things that you do on business that aren't necessarily helping you grow or bringing in revenue or attracting your clients. And those are things that 
someone can help you with and maybe they do a better job at it and enjoy it more so that you can kind of do the other things that help move your business forward. Oh, perfect. Thank you for telling me that. So my last question is where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm probably the most. It's Jessica K. Fiden, which is my last name, F-E-I-D-E-N. Or you can check my website and blog, which is going a rebrand. So I'm excited that'll launch soon. But um, at least all my current work right now is online. And that is JessicaKFiden.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. After this conversation, I'm like, I need to go and binge all of your work now. I want to see everything, all the beautiful destinations. So thank you, Jessica, so much for being on the show and for sharing your knowledge about business and travel and photography today. If this episode has served you in any way, I would love it if you shared what you've learned or a part of the episode that you loved by tagging me on Instagram at nomadneeks. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that I can continue to bring you educational content, learn and grow together. Thank you for your support and see you in the next episode of the Work, Wealth and Travel podcast.